You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 124 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Microsoft Azure MVP Mike Vandergog. <laughs> This is Christian with another MVP Buzz Chat interview. I'm here today with Mike. Hey, how's it going? Uh, fine. How are you? I'm doing well. And for folks that don't know who you are, where you are, what you do, why don't you give us that overview? Yeah, I will give a short overview. Uh, Mike van Graag. I live in the Netherlands uh, in a yeah, place called uh, Schiedam. Uh, it's near Rotterdam, so the, most people know Rotterdam as well. Um, yeah, what I do, I'm basically a CTO of a company in the Netherlands called 350. Basically, what we do is uh, we do consultancy uh, around Microsoft, but also do um, cloud licensing and also manage services for, for our customers. Uh, and next to that, in my personal life, I'm, uh, I'm a soccer trainer for one of my sons. And I like to do community stuff. So that's basically uh, how I ended up here. Well, first, let me even point out, it says you just you refer to it as soccer. Is yeah. That- so that's the, yeah, it's for, just for my benefit or <laughs> no, I'm just, I would also refer to football, but yeah, it's the Dutch. I think the Dutch soccer. So it's just the ball on the foot, yeah. not the ball in the hands. Yeah. 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 No, that, that, that makes sense. But I was just shocked to hear it come out of your mouth. <laughs> so I, I always joke. I know it's becoming bigger in the U S here, but I used to always refer, I used to love to do this around fans or real football European football fans. And I would say, well, in the States, I mean, soccer is a sport for girls and pale young boys. <laughs> and then people would get very angry, especially yeah. if they were drinking, but uh, no, it's, it's actually, uh, it's, it's, it's starting to gain uh, a, a lot of speed, a lot of activity. We actually have a national team here where I live in Utah. Uh, and who have done fairly well. I don't know. I don't follow them. So I'm a basketball <laughs> guy. So, yeah. but hey, it's so good. I know that you're on the community stuff. You're also involved with like the, uh, like the global Azure events and other activities. Yeah, I try to do as much speaking events as I can. So I also have three kids at home. So I have to break my time uh, on what to see, what I can do and basically in all those things. Yeah. I try to do as much as possible and, and mainly around the, the main Azure topics like uh, BICEP, um, the PaaS platform as a service offerings, um, basically, basically my skills lay there and also part in Azure DevOps as well. Yeah, and I noticed that so Microsoft just made a change. I don't know how much has been, you know, uh, is known outside of the MVP circles, but there's a new focus around DevOps and uh, um yeah, so is it a, a split within Azure? So DevOps and GitHub, I believe. Yeah, I'm not fairly known about that change already, but yeah, there is already years of coming and discussions going on around GitHub, DevOps, what should I use? And basically there are mainly used both. And for example, I work for a, a large enterprise customer at the moment and they are a heavily user of Azure DevOps. I don't see them switching very soon to, for example, GitHub Enterprises, uh, meaning that they will, yeah, Microsoft will keep supporting Azure DevOps, I think, for a lot of time. But yeah, as far as I know, for uh, main new projects, 
if you need to make a choice between Azure DevOps and GitHub, they try to push you to GitHub, and meaning that if you have the functionalities available in GitHub, of course, so there's still some differences between the two products um, you have, and you, you can choose for GitHub or otherwise choose the Azure DevOps. Well, it's interesting because I know there's the whole, like the software configuration side of things, but then there's the project management side of things. And there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of interest in seeing more integration between project online, which is really kind of, I don't know, flatlined in my opinion. There's, it's not had, it's not taken off. Yeah. And you've had a lot of the effort that's happened in the desktop project management, you know, with planner and uh, and to do on that that world and there's there's you know there's a push and there's actually a roadmap between azure devops uh plan uh, or project and project online and planner um to to do deeper integration i don't know what the roadmap where that you know what's being extended what's being thought about from a github standpoint me neither as well you see github projects for example now that where you can use some project planning as well, uh, but not fairly sure about that integration because even with um, project integration with Azure DevOps, you see Azure DevOps mainly used for agile projects. Mm -hmm. And more or less, you see Microsoft project fairly used for just the, how we call it traditional projects where you have time and material, you have certain dates, certain amount of dates, and you really have a, a really point in time where you want to finish up the product. And more or less with Agile, you don't have that real endpoint in your projects. Right. So mainly for our projects we do, we, we don't even use Microsoft Project anymore. We just start out with a blank backlog and just fill it up. And I hope to, hope to finish at the end. Right. Well, th that's one of the reasons why I think, uh, you know, Planner is has been growing because I think there's a much tighter alignment there. Yeah. I, I don't mean to you know, pull you into a, an area that's not your, uh, your specialty. <laughs> it's just kind of interesting in the your flow. No, it's, it, it's true. It's very interesting. So you can see the integration with Microsoft to do with Planner. I mainly use to do as well for my own work. And I see, for example, if someone creates a Planner within our, within our organization and just um, assign me tasks, I see them in my to-do list as well. So I find that very handy to have that small integration, having my own to-do list, but also having my tasks that my coworkers give me as well in my own to-do list. So I don't have to put them in there myself and forget them. Right. I know I have my colleagues can do it. They can assign it to me and I have a due date for that, uh, those tasks. That's been that with, on the wish list for us that they have worked in, you know, the operations, the, the traditional IT roles for so long is no matter where a task is assigned to you, you know, let me see it in one place, like give it my, my view in that. Well, there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening on that side. Now, so you're a relatively new Azure uh, MVP. How, when did you yeah. get your MVP? June 1st. Brand new. Yeah, really brand new. Brand new. Now, of course, I mean, you've been in the space for a long time. And so this is, it's, I'm sure you probably heard from people being in the in the space for so long, uh, being a certified trainer, being in, in the ecosystem. I'm sure a lot of people said like they already thought you were an MVP. Like, yeah, I've I've heard that sometimes. Basically, what I'm I've been busy. I'm at it now about since my since I was 20. I started blogging, mm -hmm. mainly first on the SharePoint space. So I was a, a heavy SharePoint user and infrastructure man 
really building up those SharePoint farms in those days, back in the days. Yeah. And then I basically moved when SharePoint moved to Office 365, I saw more and less integration with Azure coming up. And then I just switched over for, from Office 365 to basically Azure and doing more Azure DevOps related stuff as well. I always was a fan of Team Foundation Server as well, back in the days developing features for SharePoint. So that came in handy as well. Uh, really moving uh, towards Azure and also starting blogging about Azure. So for example, if you look at my blog now, I still have those SharePoint articles in there. Yeah. So I'm I'm really that that professionistic on my blog is that I even if I move over to another URL or another platform, I just move over all my old stuff as well, making me busy days and for to get that over as well. But I just really love the stuff that I did then, and also sometimes I just look at my blog and just I go back to the old articles, what I've written down. Yeah, and sometimes also just fun to see that still people are reading those old posts as well. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I know this is a completely different topic, but like, so I've been I've been blogging on my my site is uh, the Buckley Planet. I've been blogging there since two thousand two, and so I, I moved over. I did a huge migration a few years back from TypePad over to WordPress. As I moved everything across, one of the things that you know, as you know. You keep that long history of content. I, I too, I, I don't want to just remove it, you know. And so, but I'll go through and I'll, I'll remove, I'll retire, I'll archive where I'm talking about an event that happened 10 years ago or 15 years ago, or just light, lighthearted things. But the, the heavier content, product, technology related, I want to leave that stuff in place because, like, people do go search and, and yeah. read on it. I'm always interested to see things that get surfaced there but for performance of my site you know i realized that i need to through and i need to remove some of that that retire some of that old content yeah so it's a constant calling that you need to go in and and clean out well interesting so so your path to mvp so i mean you just became an mvp yeah what what kind of what what kind of pushed you over the line what got you there i mean you've been in the space for so many years yeah, what pushed me over the line? That's a good question. I, I have, I always thought about it of being an MVP for basically one year or something, just just in the back of my mind, just just the acknowledgement of the things you are doing and basically then you are doing them good as well, I think. Um, but basically also I have, I really, I really love my personal life as well. So you really have to weigh boundaries about that for what you want to do, how you want to do it. And basically last year, I just also, I, all, all, I always did speaking sessions. So I founded the Dutch Cloud Meetup in, let me say 2019, early 2019, I think. That's basically a user group that I now run with uh, Carline and Henry. Henry, Henry Bain is also an MVP. Um, and along the way, I just did some more speaking sessions as well. Um, and basically moving over to doing more speaker sessions. I also had a conversation with, uh, I know, totally forget his name, Stefan Wiggers. Stefan Wiggers is also an MVP and he just nominated me. Um, I think it was December, just after after doing a, a talk at Lowlands, Azure Lowlands in the Netherlands. He just nominated me and I just thought, okay, let's see how it goes. And here I am. Well, congratulations. I mean, it is, and for folks that are you know coming to this new that aren't as familiar with the program, 
I mean, it's it's an award for what you've done in the previous you know year yeah. that that body of work and and obviously to maintain it to stay within it, it there has to be a certain level of activity. One thing, I mean, you keep, you've said this a couple times about you know having family. I I'm now an empty nester, so it's like I have a wife and a dog here. My kids are yeah. adults and they're out and about in the world. Um, but it's uh, you know it was always difficult for the years of all the traveling that I've done. One of the benefits that I think that has happened over the last year, I mean, obviously we're all working from home and you have all these these things online. What I don't think will change, even as we start to move back into in-person conferences and different events and user groups and that things, I think we're going to maintain a certain level of online only activity. And so there's just more opportunities than ever to get in and, and uh, to present, to participate. So if you're I think, starting out. Yeah, I think even that there are too many events at this moment. I, I, I understand that argument as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there there has been a a large amount of new events popping up everywhere, but that that's basically not a bad thing. But I I always I always think about the thing that we have to maintain quality as well. It's good that we have a lot of events, but we also yeah. make need to make sure that all the events we have maintain a certain quality. I don't I, I'm not per se saying that my event always has that amount of quality. I always try to give it that amount of quality. But for example, we also want, we are eager to move to in-person events as well. Yeah. But we are really looking at the COVID situation, of course, as well. So we hope to have our first in-person event again in September. Okay. But yep. as the numbers in the Netherlands are not that great at this moment, I'm not even sure if we're going to make that, but we, we want to try. Yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, so I'm doing my first in-person event this year, next month. Uh, so traveling to the Midwest, and uh, you know, I think that there, yeah, we're we're not quite the numbers are not quite to where we'd like to see it. I think it'll be, uh, it, you know, it, it'll be a good showing, um, but we still have. I think there's like triple the number of people that have registered for the online. We're doing a hybrid event. Uh, okay. So yeah. the online will be even bigger than the last year. Um, so I think total number of people participating will be great, but we were hoping to see more that have committed to being there in person. Yeah. I think it's still, you know, it's still a, a bit early to, to, to do that. So yeah, I, the only thing I, I dislike from the online events is that there's such a large number of no show. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because of that, it's easy and everyone is at home. It's just, easy as well to not show up yeah. we even saw that on in-person events but on online events it's even bigger you know there's a whole science behind that i mean I, so yeah. I, i've helped run sharepoint saturdays for the last decade across the western us and helped with a number of others and we were seeing probably about a 40 percent drop in registrants from attendance and so we just you know, when it, and it's difficult, as you know, when you're ordering food, uh, you're paying for capacity, and then to be shy of those numbers, yeah. uh, it's it's brutal. Um, yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate to have that much waste. You know, in place. Yeah, we we really had it at our first event. I, re I really remember that as well. So you had about I think we had had about thirty people signing up, and basically you end up with ten people, but you are you are buying pizza for thirty people. 
Right. So you can imagine how many pizza boxes were left at the office. Well, so now we have a like a local soup kitchen. Uh, and so we just take whatever's left and we go and deliver it after yep. the event. And it's just one of the things that we do, which is which is great that we're able to do that. But I'd rather to have to raise fewer funds and buy less food and be yep. more accurate in my numbers. But yeah, it's always a thing, I think. Yeah. So what else? So what? So, so you talked a bit about what you're um, you know, blogging about recently. So what are kind of the hot topics within the Azure space? Like what are, what are you really passionate about right now? At this moment, I'm really passionate about uh, doing Bicep as well. So basically we're now taking it into production as well uh, it, at one of our customers and really looking more into the GitHub space as well. Uh, because GitHub, the GitHub space was still a little bit new for me as well. So really picking up uh, there as well, really looking at the new features, GitHub uh, workflows, uh, really picking up at that space as well. And I also still love to do um, basically everything ARM related. So I'm also looking at uh, template specs, for example. Mm -hmm. so those are really just a little bit of an unknown feature for many of us, uh, but it's a real great feature as well. Very cool. And for, so for, for those of us, like I, I'm a, a, I'm a marketing guy. Like yeah. I have no idea what bicep is. Okay. Yeah. Bicep is just basically a, uh, uh, a new language that basically you write bicep and that ports to ARM, meaning that um, it really makes it easy for you to write ARM templates because bicep is much easier to understand. And basically together with the Visual Studio code extension they built, mm -hmm. you really get a large set of intelligences as well, building up your bicep templates, meaning that it's very easy to just port uh, one bicep fell to a really large ARM template and use that for your deployment. And how they are building it up now is that you can also just right away push your bicep fell into, for example, the Azure CLI for your deployment. So it will just do the com compilation, compilation on the back end to an ARM template and then deploy it on the Okay. Azure. Awesome. Yeah, that, that makes uh, clear sense to me now. So, uh, well, well, excellent. Uh, and I know that we're we're just about out of time here. Um, so you you talk about you've got your blog that's out there. Are you doing a lot of video content out there as well? No, I, I've I've tried to do it sometimes. Mm -hmm. I basically still have one video online, I think. <laughs> uh, but I really didn't really enjoy it. Basically, the way I would like to do it, I will just do it over and over just to get it to that perfect state for myself. But as I try to record some things, I never get it to the perfect state. So I will be busy for a video of 10 minutes. I will be doing two, three hours, just doing editing and everything else, just doing it over again. I really did not, did not have a real good sweet spot, for example, for making those videos as well. Well, you know, one recommendation is, I mean, you're giving these other, these presentations and obviously there's some presentations which you're still actively giving. You may not want to just put that free out there on, you know, as a video out there online, but um, even just going, doing a recording of your presentation of something that you're, you've moved on to do a couple new topics and you just want to have a version of that as of your presentation out there. And where it's just that raw unedited, like doing a webinar, but you're, it's just you you know, alone yeah. late at night recording that, but capturing that and putting that content out there 
and then putting in the description like timestamps to some of the topics like the structure of your presentation can be a huge SEO boost. So you get a lot of value, a lot of you know, people then can go and find on those specific topics within that, that video, but it's an easier way of doing it without the in, you know, intimidating editing post-production process of putting a formal video. That's true. Yeah, I, I know what, you, what you're meaning, but the only problem I have is basically when I turn on that camera, there is something in my, inside of my mind that just wants to do it perfect. And I even notice it when doing, for some sessions online, they just ask you to record the session upfront. Yeah. And they just spin up the video. And I really dislike that because even I, I've tried it now two times and it's just terrible. I, with one session, I will be busy for about four hours, just getting it into some state I like. Right. Um, and I just do it upfront live with, when I know that there are people listening and then I still can try to get some kind of interaction with those people. Exactly. That's, that's the key right there. That's, yeah. that's the thing I miss from about doing the live and, and people are quieter even when you do a webinar and even if you have it at you know, teams and have it open where people can jump in and ask questions as generally people are very quiet when, when you're doing it live, you can see people's faces and read their reactions and be like, I, I can see by the glazed look in the eye that I should explain that a bit more and, and go and do something different or based on the questions that are being asked, maybe go into more detail on something that you hadn't intended to. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a completely different thing. And I, yeah, I miss that as well. Yeah. Well, very yeah, cool. It's your, it's your interaction part. Yeah. Not, I agree. That's, that's one of my favorite parts of it. That's all you can have that one. I, like I've given a presentation where I've had the deck built and had, you know, examples and stories built into that. And I might give it three different times and have three completely different experiences because of questions and interactions. Cause I do like to have, I say, interrupt me, like jump in if you have a question and let's see where that, that takes me, you know, in the presentation. I really enjoy that. Uh, I miss that a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, well, Mike, really appreciate your time today. For people that want to uh, follow you, get in touch with you, what are the best ways to reach you? You can reach me via Twitter. Just basically my name, Mike van der Graag. Um, you can reach me on my blog, msftplayground.com. And you can also uh, reach me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And of course, uh, folks that are watching the, the video, find this uh, through social media. You can find a blog post about this with all of the links to all of the contact points um, at buckleyplanet.com as well. So really appreciate your time today and hopefully see you at the next uh, MVP Summit next spring. Hopefully, hopefully. that happens. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope for it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>